Welcome to the Northern Electric Vehicle Experience. My name is Ron and I'm your host. Today we're going to be talking about why I bought an electric car, the, the decision-making process I went through with that, um, and try to help you see how that can help you make your decision on whether to buy an electric car or not. So let's dive in without any further ado. I got started in 2016 with the uh, Volkswagen Dieselgate fiasco. What had happened is uh, Volkswagen had been cheating on its admissions. Essentially, they would uh, they set the computer up so that if the vehicle was being tested on a on a test bench, that the car would run all the emissions systems perfectly. But as soon as it was off the test bench, it would just spew out uh, pollutants at will or something like that. Um, there was a lot of trouble at Volkswagen over that. Uh, lots of bigwigs lost their jobs. Uh, lots of money was spent. And since then, Volkswagen has seemingly turned over a new leaf with their uh, electrification plans. They've literally spent tens of billions of dollars uh, getting ready for electrification. But that's for another episode. This episode, um, we're going to focus on that decision-making process. Dieselgate happened. I owned a Volkswagen Jetta TDI. And that meant I had two choices. I either had to let them modify the vehicle so it would not cheat anymore, or uh, they could buy it back. Since I didn't know how the car would perform after modified, I didn't want to do that. I just wanted to let them take the car back and I'll find something else. Little did I know that that was going to be very, very hard. So in 2016, late 2016, um, I looked at, okay, I'm a long distance com commuter. I drive over hundred kilometers, uh, each way every day. Um, and I chose the Jetta because it was about the most efficient thing I could find that would give me a good balance between, um, drivability and economy. When I started looking for something else, um, I looked at a lot of different vehicles like the cruise diesel, um, uh, the Volkswagen, uh, sorry, the Toyota Prius, looked at other Volkswagens. I looked at uh, like the Toyota Yaris and a Spark. And I looked at all kinds of different vehicles. I obviously looked at Tesla and I went, Ooh, that would be nice, but there's no way I could afford a model S or I think a model X at that time was an option too, but for sure an S it was still way too much money for me at that time, but it was clearly an excellent option. Uh, I just couldn't afford it. I started um, looking at all the different vehicles. I kind of narrowed it down to two vehicles based on cost to purchase the vehicle, um, its fuel economy, its reliability, customer satisfaction, that sort of thing. And that, that had gotten narrowed down to the Toyota Prius, which would give me comparable or better uh, efficiency results to the Jetta, uh, but it was it's a Prius, you know, it's just a way to get from point A to point B. It's not a particularly fun to drive car, not sexy. It's just wheels, efficient wheels. 
Then the other one I looked at was the GM Volt with a V, which is a hybrid as well. Um, it could go 85 kilometers an hour on battery. It was It's a plug-in hybrid. Um, and then you would switch to gas after that. And that car was a little bit unique at the time in that the engine was more of a generator to power the battery. Now, it did have this weird thing where it would also drive the wheels. And I think in later editions, it stopped doing that. It just became a generator. Uh, but I thought that could work. Purchase price was not too terrible. Um, the, the fuel economy would be good. I had a few different options. And, and I think it would be a good solid choice. And I and a lot of the drivers really liked that vehicle. So I thought, you know, I could do that. Another one I looked at was the Nissan Leaf. Uh, thought that'd be a great car. Wouldn't have minded buying that one at all. But it could only go one way. Like I could get to work, but then I wouldn't be able to get back uh, without charging up. And it was not readily doable at the time. So the Leaf wasn't a realistic option. I started uh, thinking, okay, how long do I have to make this decision? Maybe I'll do some research. Maybe there's something out there I don't know about. I started watching electric vehicle YouTube programs. I read articles. I Googled. I talked to people I knew. Um, and I got onto two big shows uh, on YouTube. One was Transport Evolved. Still love that show. Um that show is kind of a newsy show. They do reviews of vehicles, but they they really catch the news of the day or of the week in, in, in terms of electric vehicles and that sort of thing. Um, the other one is Fully Charged, which was more of a program. It was a bit of news, but it was often a review of a vehicle or they go beyond the electric car. So you've got home charging systems, you've got um, solar panels, wind turbines, uh, geothermal and tidal power. Uh, but it was really a lot about the EVs. And in watching those programs, I learned a lot about EVs. And I, I encourage you to, to do that. Go into YouTube and go back in time. Uh, look for episodes that talk more generically about electric cars. This is what this uh, podcast does a bit of too. And in those episodes, I learned how electric cars are different, how efficient they are, how reliable they are. You know, what would it really cost me to fill up uh, with electricity? And will this car do me for many years? And in paying attention to those shows, I slowly but surely realized it's a very cost-effective option. You have almost no maintenance. You're, you know, topping up the windshield washer, you're checking the coolant levels, and your basic brakes and suspension, that sort of thing. There is no oil changes, no, no fuel filters, no catalytic converters, no engines, no transmission tunnels, no exhaust systems and all the sensors related to that, none of that is there. So you're dealing with a car that has much less maintenance uh, than any gas car ever would. So I got very confident in the vehicle. I started to find out the fuel cost was roughly, you're going to be spending, call it 20% of the cost of 
of gas or diesel that you put into your vehicle now to do that distance, you're going to be spending 20%. So if you spent $100 a month in fuel, you'll spend $20 a month in electricity to go about the same distance. All these things, of course, vary based on where you live and what kind of vehicle you're driving. It's all a little bit different. But it's not going to be a lot different, maybe $21, maybe $19, but it's going to be in that ballpark. So I start to get comfortable, but I'm thinking, I still can't afford to buy a Tesla and I can't use a Leaf. What else is there? Well, getting more comfortable with the Volt idea, but I'm watching Nikki on uh, Transport Evolved and she announces, or she tells us that GM announced that day which was late, mid to late uh, 2016, that GM will have in dealers in Canada and the U.S. and Europe uh, the new Chevrolet Bolt EV, all-electric vehicle, in dealers, first quarter of 2017. They were a little off, but they were close. It was April. But I said, ooh, and how much is it going to be? And I found out the price. The price was going to be at that time about fifty-ish thousand dollars, fifty-five thousand dollars. That's a lot of money for a hatchback, a little hatchback. But in the grand scheme of things, it would cost me so much a month. I am also reducing my fuel costs, my maintenance costs. I thought I was going to save money because um, you have almost no maintenance. Your fuel is twenty percent. Uh, I was spending four fifty a month in diesel to go from where I live to work and back every day, 60,000 kilometers a year. I was spending four fifty a month in diesel. When I switched to electric, it was $85 a month in electricity. That's a big difference, folks. And I don't have to do the servicing and the vehicle's more reliable. Yeah, it cost a couple hundred bucks more than I would have spent for an equivalent gas car. But that's more than picked up by the fuel and the longevity and the maintenance and all that. So, you know, you got to think about it. You're kind of upfronting one cost, but your operating costs are going to be much lower. So you could got to figure that into your budget. Anyways, um, the Volkswagen was going to take my car back. I figured any time now and I wouldn't make it to March or whatever it was going to be when the Bolt came through but as it turned out i got the bolt before volkswagen took the car by about a couple of weeks so it worked out quite well um i it was interesting i'll tell you a little bit about the buying experience with gm north american car dealers are notorious for um how do i say it you come in there to buy an electric car and then ignoring you and showing you a gas car. So I was ready for a fight. And A, they didn't have any of these vehicles on the lot. B, nobody there is going to know anything about them. But I was armed. I knew what they were going to get. I knew that they were going to sell them. And the way GM did it in that first year, 2017, is that every dealer in Canada would receive three, count them, three whole Chevrolet Bolts. Well, I went to the local dealer and I said to him, I'm here to buy 
a Chevrolet Bolt EV. I'm not interested in any other kind of vehicle. That is the only vehicle I want. And if you can help me buy it, you'll get a sale today. If you can't, I'll go somewhere else because I don't want any other car. He said, well, you know what you want. I'd like to tell you I could tell you stuff about the car, but I really don't know anything. I said, yeah, I could probably tell you more about it than you could tell me about it, which is kind of sad and a little bit arrogant on my part. But he said, yep, that's very true. Very nice guy. He did the paperwork. And at the time in Ontario, you were getting a $14,000 rebate on buying an electric car. Um, my dealer actually took back that rebate. So he, he took the price off the car and then he waited for the Ontario government to give him the money, which turned out to be closer to six months. So very thank you, Paul Sadlin country. Um, bought that car, drove it off the lot and I was happy as a clam. That is the shortened version of all my decision-making in respect to buying an electric vehicle. If you want the lengthy version, go back to my very first episode. It walks you through this in painstaking detail, but it's actually quite well done. I enjoyed that episode, but I wanted you to get a little bit of an idea here about, you know, what was important to me, um, what I went through. I like literally spent every waking hour for several months hoovering in every bit of, of detail I could on electric vehicles um, for several months before I finally made a decision because I was terrified that if I spent $55,000 on a vehicle and it didn't work for me, I'm not a rich guy. I can't just throw money around like that. It had to work. So I had to be confident. Well, Doing that research, watching those shows, seeing real people driving real cars, going on to forums and, and talking to people that had actually bought, you know, Teslas and Leafs and things like that. Chevy Volts with a V, um, Mitsubishi iMeves and uh, BMW i3s. You know, there's, there's lots out there at the time. That gave me the confidence to buy an electric car. And to this day, cause I, the bolt's a little bit different. If people realize that you're driving an electric car, you almost can't park anywhere. And somebody comes up to you and says, so what's it really like? And you're an early adopter. You kind of have to answer their questions like people answered yours. So this podcast is, is specifically to get you over that hump. What you need to do in terms of electric vehicles now, like we're talking 2017. Now you've got some even more extensive choices. I was choosing between basically a gas car and the only electric vehicle I could afford that would work for me. Now, all of you have dozens and dozens of electric vehicles to choose from. So you have to make that first decision that I just made. That's one. Am I going to go electric? Okay, I've decided to go electric. Which one do I want? Well, there's always the budget factor. Which one can I afford? If money is no object, go buy a Tesla or buy a BMW uh, 
X. I forget what theirs is. They have a few. Um, they have the i3. They have the iX. They have a few models. Uh, the Audi, uh, e-tron, uh, various other vehicles, Porsche Taycan. So if money is no object, there's some amazing EVs for you. And they're all very good. Um, Tesla is very compelling because it is, it is the benchmark of what an EV should be. Not necessarily what the benchmark of a luxury car should be. Not necessarily the best styling for everyone. But as far as functional EV, setting the trends, designing <coughs> the way EVs are going to operate in the future, Tesla is the cat's meow. And of course, their supercharging network is second to none. Because they own that network and they, they make the vehicles, everything is seamless. And because they're an electric car company, when they set the network up, they were very deliberate about where they put their superchargers. They're spaced out in a way that makes it very effective for, for road tripping and all that sort of thing. With all other electric vehicles, you're going to be dependent on the public charging network. That's not a bad thing. It can be very good, but it is not as seamless as the Tesla system right now. It's okay. It works fine. Um, and in some ways it's better. In some ways it's definitely worse. But it is a work in progress. And from 2017 to now, it's night and day. There's a lot of chargers out there now. I can supercharge. I can go on road trips. That was not the case in the past. When you're choosing your electric vehicle, you have a few more factors to consider. A, of course, your budget, as we've already discussed, you can, if, if price is no object, then you've got a million options. Uh, if you're a more ordinary person that has a kind of ordinary middle-class budgets, you have a lot of options. Um, and they're great vehicles with different ranges and things like that, different performance characteristics, and they're now reasonably affordable. And I'll list off a few, but they're by no means a comprehensive list, and it depends very much on where you live in the world. I do have uh, listeners literally all over the world now. It's kind of cool. Um, but speaking around here in Canada... Um, you're going to have the Volkswagen ID4. Um, you're going to have, you have the Hyundai Kona. You have upcoming the Hyundai Ionic 5. <coughs> you have the regular Hyundai Ionic. You've got the Kia uh, Nero and the Kia Soul. You've got, what else is coming to mind? Oh, the Ford Mustang Mach-E. And a bunch of other vehicles. Like there, there is literally a lot in a lot coming down the pipe in the next little while. You have the Bolt and the Bolt EUV currently on hiatus, but they'll uh, they'll be back on the market very soon. But you're going to be looking at what's the maximum range, what's the cost uh, in the northern climates where things get cold and you need to run heaters. 
you definitely want a heat pump. Like, for example, Volkswagen in the U.S. comes with resistive heating. In Canada, automatically get a heat pump. In the U.S., I think it's a, I think it's an additional option to get a heat pump, or you have to get the all-wheel drive or something like that. But in Canada, no matter what minimum, you get a heat pump. And I imagine it's the same in Europe. In the Scandinavian countries and so on, you get a heat pump as standard. It makes a difference. Um, you're going to be, well, what kind of tires is on it? What's the suspension like? Um We'll talk another day about snow tires. It's a whole other thing in, in, in EVs. Um, what are the performance characteristics? Do you want something that is more comfortable? Do you want a higher riding height? You know, a lot of those things that are just normal car questions. But as far as EVs go, does it have the right range? Does it have a heat pump? Um, is it is it uh, a style or from a company that you can trust. Um, I'd say most of them are uh, these days. Uh, some of the original OEMs are not as committed to EVs as I would like, but they're definitely getting over that hump. They're getting to to uh, thinking electric a bit more. So once you've made that big hurdle to go to electric at all, then... It's a lot more ordinary decision-making with the exception of the heat pump and the range and what kind of charger network you're going to be relying on. So I personally, for me, I'm really looking at the Volkswagen ID4. Diesel gate aside, that looks like a good vehicle. So does the um, Hyundai Ioniq 5 and the Kia 6. They all look like very nice electric vehicles. They have everything I want. Not a big fan of the styling on the Ionic 5, although a lot of the reviewers love that thing. Maybe in person it looks better. But all the specs of it, the performance and characteristics, all that kind of stuff look good to me. The charging curve. Oh, how could I forget? Hugely important. Um, if you're living in an apartment building and you don't have access to charge at home, um, you're going to have to be able to either charge at work or you're going to be fast charging. This is where it really matters. If you charge at home nine times, 99 times out of a hundred, how fast you charge doesn't matter too much. Okay. If you road trip a fair bit, then yeah, it matters again. But I mean, for your daily driver, it doesn't matter too much. An older bolt like mine can take almost an hour to fast charge to 80%. And that's something too. You fast charge to 80%, you don't go to 100. Your last 20% will take as long as the first 80. So you just fill to 80 and you're out of there. Um, if you have to live by fast charging alone you're going to want a car that really fast charges well. So you're going to be looking at cars like Tesla, the Hyundai Ioniq 5, um, the Kia EV6, I think it's called. Those kind of vehicles, or more if you've got bigger budgets. Even the uh, 
even the take the uh, Mustang Mach E and the Volkswagen ID4 are not bad fast chargers, but those Hyundai's and Kias, eighteen minutes from zero to eighty percent. Eighteen minutes in as fast as eighteen minutes. I figure it's going to be a little bit longer than that, but eighteen minutes. If your average commute is like most people's average commute, which is less than 50 kilometers a day, you need to charge once a week. Can you give up 18 minutes once a week? I imagine you could. So pay attention to that charging cycle. And I would see, well, like most people, run the YouTube reviews. Uh, Some really good reviews to... To look at our out-of-spec studios, Tom Malogny and uh, Kyle Connor, uh, EV out-of-spec studios, and uh, something else. But they do amazing range reviews. Uh, they test the charging curves. Basically, they get the, the vehicle down to zero. Literally, it's it's they almost have to push it up to the charger. And then they run it through the charging curve to see how quickly it comes up to 80%, where it tapers off. And, you know, the total length of time for that charge. Like the manufacturers will say one thing, but in the real world, you'll see something else. And, re- and remember, lots of things affect the, the speed at which a vehicle will charge. Um, it's altitude temperature, condition of the battery, type of charger you're hooked up to. All these things matter. As the newer vehicles come uh, online, I see they're, the manufacturers are building into them things that will make that more reliable. <coughs> so anyways, I see I'm getting close to the 26-minute mark. And I try to keep these things in less than uh, half an hour, uh, sometimes less than 10 minutes. Uh, but this one is a bit of a long one. And uh, I need, I think you needed a bit more detail to, you know, calm your nerves, make that big decision, and move into the world of, e- of EVs. Well, that's it for this week. Please be sure to like and subscribe and check out our show notes. There you'll find a link to ask your questions and submit your comments. We really do want to hear from you. Take care and see you next time.